to another podcast of Risen Fellowship. We're delighted that you joined us and we hope you're enjoying the study as we go through Genesis. So far we've looked at the first division of Genesis and Genesis chapter 1 through 11 saw four great events. Now we've moved into the second division where we're looking at from chapter 12 all the way through chapter 50 and focusing on four great men. In Genesis 22 we looked at the story where we were on the mountaintop with Abraham when he was obeying God and taking his only son Isaac to be willing to offer him as a sacrifice uh, to God. So now we're in Genesis 20, we went there to Genesis 24 to look at Isaac in his specific life as the second great person. He was the beloved son and we really focused in on him receiving his wife because that's almost a foretelling of how Jesus Christ is going to come back to receive his bride, the church, one day in the future. So now we move to the third great person in Genesis, the second half of Genesis, and that is Jacob. Jacob is probably one of the most interesting uh, characters in all of the scripture. A great lesson, and I'm going to try to just kind of go through the overview of his life, highlight some points that I think would help us live our life today better, but not really just focus in on one point of his life. Now, Jacob was a twin. And he had an older brother who was born just before him, and that was Esau. And they were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah, and we see that in chapter 25. Now, these boys grew up in a very devoted home. And we can read the story about Isaac after he came down off that mountain, and there's not a lot in the Scripture about him. And we might see where he made some mistakes in his life. But no matter what he did as an adult or even as a father or a husband, we have to remember that as a young man, he willingly laid his life down on the altar to be pleasing to his father and obey him. So these boys grew up in a devoted home, but they also grew up in a very disappointed home because for many years, Isaac and Rebekah had no children and they wanted them desperately. They had to wait for years just like Abraham and Sarah did. And Isaac literally became a spiritual leader of the home, praying, interceding on behalf of his, uh, for his wife, and God eventually granted that request. And the whole of Genesis, you look and you read about these great people that are there, the whole book of Genesis emphasizes the sovereignty of God and the wisdom of His, quote, delays. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years before their son Isaac was born. Jacob would have to labor for 14 years to get the wife uh, that he really wanted uh, in his life, Rachel. And Joseph, as we'll look at in our next podcast, he had to wait 20 years and go through prison and all these different things before he was reunited and reconciled with his brothers. So when we think about this, we also remember the verse in Psalm, Psalm 31, verse 15, that says, Our times are in His hands. And we have to really trust and have faith that God's timing is always right because He's never late, even though we feel like it is a delay that's causing us grief. So they had a devoted and a disappointed home, but they also grew up in a very distressed home. When you read the story of Esau and Jacob's life, they were struggling in the womb, and uh, they struggled not only in the womb, but they struggled even after they were born. And their lives show us that conception, birth, and death. Uh, that these things are not merely human accidents of how the world goes, but these are God's divine appointments for our life and the things He has planned for us. But they also, unfortunately, grew up in a very divided home. These boys looked different. They had completely different personalities. Esau was the rugged man. He was the outdoorsman. 
And if he were in our culture today, Esau was one of those guys that when you went to Bass Pro Shop, you would find him in there looking for the latest, greatest things. Now, Jacob was a little bit more of a homebody. He's the kind of guy that would want to stay in, out of the sun, not get sunburned, and might even be called like a homeboy. Uh, but each one of these boys being completely different, each parent had their own favorite of the sons. Esau's uh, was Isaac's favorite, while Jacob was his mother's, uh, Rachel's favorite. And uh, it's unfortunate that when we see, uh, not only in the biblical times, but even in today, when homes are divided because the parents have favorites, they'll wind up putting those favorites above God's personal uh, desire of their lives and for God's will for their life. But as you see this in the family, you see all the scheming and the manipulating, trying to get the upper hand. God's purpose still prevailed in all four of their lives. And at the end of chapter 25, that struggle is going to continue and get deeper as we see Jacob and Esau, where Esau sells his birthright to Jacob after he comes in from a long day being out in the field for just a, a, a little bowl of stew and for some bread. And later, Esau is even going to accuse Jacob of cheating him and taking advantage of him when he was weak. And as we move into Genesis chapter 27, that division just continues to grow wider and wider as we read about Rebekah and Jacob working out plans to try to deceive the father, Isaac, and getting him to bless Jacob rather than Esau, the firstborn. You see, Rebekah overhears uh, Isaac requesting his favorite son, Esau, to go out and to catch the game and make that favorite meal for him that he liked. He said, son, if you'll do that and bring that back to me, and after I eat it, then I will give you the blessing of the firstborn. Well, Rebecca quickly devised a plan to be able to prepare a meal herself for Isaac and then have Jacob disguised as Esau and go in and take it uh, to Isaac and then to be able to get him to receive the blessing. But Jacob was just a little bit hesitant of this plan because he said even though his father's eyesight was bad at an old age, Isaac would be able to tell that this was not Esau in front of him, but uh, it would be uh, Jacob. But Rebekah had, had ways to be able to make that happen. She said, if I take some of Esau's clothes and put them on you, then you will smell like Esau. And Isaac's dependent upon his eyesight, and he'll smell and think that you're Esau. But Jacob had another objection. He said, my skin is soft, and my brother's skin is rugged and hairy. And, and if our, my father takes and reaches out his hand and touches my hands or the back of my neck, he'll recognize real quickly that I'm not Esau. And instead of blessing me, he will curse me. So the mother took some, uh, the skins of some of uh, a young uh, lamb and put that uh, on the back of uh, Jacob's hands and on the back of his neck. And so the mother cooked the meal and then Jacob took the, the meal and began the charade of the masquerade of being his older brother. And Jacob had an answer to every one of his father's questions. And after eating the meal, Isaac then blessed his son, thinking it was Esau, but giving the firstborn blessing to Jacob. And just as soon as he received the blessing, Jacob slipped out of the room. And almost uh, at the same time as he left, Esau came in. And when Esau and Jacob realized how Esau had been, or how Jacob had been deceived, they both were very angry. I mean, the Bible tells us that Isaac trembled violently, and Esau began to weep 
bitterly and he begged his father. He said, Father, don't you have even another blessing for me? And in Hebrews chapter 12, there's an interesting commentary about Esau's attempt to repent over this situation. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17 says, says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, just as soon as he realized that his brother had deceived his father and received the blessing that he thought was due him, when he wanted that blessing, he was rejected. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Now what Esau sought was not repentance and turning around and repenting of his bad ways and his profane ways and becoming a submitted person to uh, God himself. What he was seeking diligently was not repentance, but the blessing. And I think that's so evident of the way we live in our world today. There's so many people who call themselves and claim to be Christians. And they want all the blessings that come from God by knowing God and calling themselves a part of His family. But they don't want to submit or obey to be a part of the requirements of being a part of the family of God. You see, repentance was not only necessary for Esau, but it's necessary for each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, it's essential for every one of us to be submissive to the Father, to be able to receive the blessing and the inheritance of eternal life. Well, after all this came down, Esau, the older brother, vowed that after their father died, because Esau thought he was on his deathbed, uh, Isaac thought he was on his deathbed at this time, Esau swore and vowed that after their father died that he would kill his brother. And Rebekah Rebecca got wind of this plan, and she devised another plan that would protect her favorite son until Esau's fury would be uh, squelched and be able to turn away. And so she asked Isaac to send Jacob away back to the relatives of where she came from over a 500 mile journey because she told her husband, this would break my heart if now Jacob, our, my favorite son, were to marry a Canaanite woman like Esau had done. Now what Rebecca expected to be a journey of maybe a few weeks or a few months turned out to be years. As a matter of fact, between all of the things that she planned and schemed and connived, she wound up never seeing her favorite son alive because that little short trip that she thought turned into be uh, 20 years. Now when Esau heard the concern of her mother about the Canaanite wives that she had, instead of repenting there and turning back to God, he goes out and tries to fix things on his own. and He decides that his parents would probably approve of a marriage of marrying somebody from the, as the daughter of Ishmael, uh, the cousin uh, to Isaac, or the half-brother to Isaac, Abraham's firstborn son. But that didn't work either. Now let's go back to Jacob, though, the main character. On the first night away from home, here's a man that stayed under his mother's uh, coattails, if you would, and, and tried to learn the things and please her. Now he's out in the wilderness all alone. The Bible tells us that he laid down to sleep and he took a rock and set it up to be his pillow and he fell asleep. And he was probably so tired from his journey and from the stress of worrying about his brother wanting to kill him. And as he laid down to sleep, all of a sudden he, all of a sudden he had a dream. And in this dream he saw a stairway or a ladder that led to heaven. 
And what he saw were angels. And these angels were both descending and ascending upon that ladder. And as he saw that dream, he woke up and he recognized this must be a very special place that I am in. This must be the house of God. And he named that place Bethel. And, and he made, like a lot of people do, he made an, kind of a, an agreement with God. He said, now God, if you'll go with me in my journey, and let me find safety and security and prosper in what I do. If you'll bring me back to this place one day, then I will be sure to follow you all the days of my life. And as I said, Jacob now spent 20 years away from home with his mother's family in Haran. And during that time, he married his two wives, Leah and Rachel. And between them and their handmaidens, he had 11 sons and one daughter's. And God blessed his efforts as he was working for his uncle Laban and blessed him with flocks and cattle of his own. Now Jacob had to work seven years. This is the agreement that he worked out with uh, Rachel's father, Laban, that he would work seven years for him to be able to marry Rachel because he instantly fell in love with Rachel. And so he worked his seven years and now came the wedding and the celebration all took place and the night, the, the consummation of the marriage and everything. And the next morning when Jacob woke, woke up, he realized that his father-in-law had deceived him. It wasn't Rachel, the, the woman that he loved, that he actually married. It was uh, her older sister, Leah. The father had switched them. Now, it makes you wonder how a man would get married to somebody and spend their wedding night together and realize, not realize that it was the wrong woman, but it happened that way. And here's the man now going and claiming how his uh, father-in-law has cheated him and deceived him when he was the one who deceived his own father to be able to receive uh, the blessing. Now the bride's father has, received, has deceived him. And so they made the agreement and he said, Laban said to him, go ahead and, and fulfill your weekly duty of the marriage. He said, then I'll give you Rachel and you'll work for me for another seven years for Rachel. And so that's what happened. So he wound up marrying both sisters, Leah and Rachel, and it took 14 years. And then for another six years, he was working for his uh, father-in-law, Laban, and that's where he received all of his uh, flocks and his herds. And then God told him it's time to go back to his home after 20 years. And it's interesting that on the first night away from home, Jacob had a dream about these angels ascending and descending upon the great stairway or the ladder to heaven. And on the last night, coming back from his journey before his meeting with his brother Esau, the angels of God literally met with Jacob and this caused him to fall down on his knees in prayer. And he remembered the commitment that he made to God that he said, if you'll see me safely on my journey and return me to this place, then I will follow you. And later that evening, God came to visit Jacob. And it tells us that Jacob was wrestling with a man through the whole evening and into the daylight. And near the time of daybreak, uh, Jacob had got the upper hand on the man and would not let him go. And the man said, let me go. And he said, I Jacob said, I won't until you bless me. And so this man that Jacob had wrestled with asked him, he said, what is your name? And it's interesting because the only other time in Scripture we see Jacob being asked that question, it was by his father Isaac. Isaac asked him, he said, son, what is your name? And at that time, Jacob lied to his father and said, I am Esau, your firstborn son. But after getting the upper hand on this man he was wrestling with all night long, he answered truthfully and he said, my name is Jacob. And the man then blessed Jacob and gave him a new name. 
And he said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Now your name is Israel. And the name Israel means to struggle. One who wrestles with God. And one who lets God do what he wants to do. And that's what Jacob began to do in his life from that time forward. And then in, that's in Genesis chapter 32. Then again in chapter 35, we see a, another telling of Jacob's name being changed to Isaac. And uh, uh, the interesting thing about that is after chapter 32, Jacob still has some of his old tendencies about planning things and trying to work things out for himself and how he's going to meet with his brother Esau. But in Genesis chapter 35, after God reaffirms saying, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel, you find Jacob now quit trying to connive and plan and scheme for his own ways, but he became one who led his family in devotion and the disciplines of the Lord. And it's with this change name that you find God, not only changing his name, but now extending the promise that God had originally made to Abraham about that he would make his descendants a great nation and they would inherit the land. And through those descendants of Abraham that all the world would be blessed. All those blessings that God and all those promises that God had made to Abraham, he not only changes Jacob's name to Israel, he now says all of those promises will be wrapped up in you and your descendants. The difference in those two stories of the name change of Jacob is that the first time Jacob was still trusting his own plans and his own ingenuity to try to get his way. The second story, you find Jacob submitting to God, trusting God's promises instead of his own plans. And immediately following that promise, though, Israel's favorite wife, Rachel, was pregnant with their second son. Now, you would think that in seeing all the destruction that happened in the family between Esau and Jacob because the parents had their favorite, that Jacob would have learned from that and stayed away from that. But he didn't. He didn't learn that lesson. But anyway, Joseph was born to Rachel back in the land of Haran where she was from, but now she gave birth to, Ginge, uh, to Benjamin, and then she died during that childbirth. Jacob, or Israel as his name is now, was experiencing both joy and grief at the same time. Now compounding his grief is that Jacob's father, Isaac, dies at 180 years old. It's amazing that 20 years earlier, Isaac thought he was on his deathbed and asked Jake, uh, Esau to go out and make his meal so that he could bless him. But after he died, Esau and Jacob had reunited and they both worked together to bury their father. And then in Genesis chapter 36, you have the list of the descendants of Esau. And we find that God did bless Esau and he made his family into a great multitude of people too. And they became known as the Edomites who would appear continuously throughout the Old Testament. And in the next scene that we have in Genesis chapter 36, Joseph, the next hero, enters into the stage front and center. And he's going to be the fourth and the final great person that we study in the second division of Genesis. We'll look at his life, as I said earlier, in the next podcast. But Jacob is still playing a very important role, even during the life and times of Joseph. Now, you would think that the, the, the deep grief, like I said, of the favoritism that Jacob had experienced in his life, you thought he might grow out that, but he didn't. 
he began to show great favoritism for his son Joseph and the brothers got jealous and angry at Joseph their brother and they sold him into, slave, into slavery and they even deceived their father by taking the special coat that Isaac had made or that uh, Jacob had made for Joseph and they had sold him into slavery and they took the blood of a lamb and they smeared it all over uh, his coat. It's fortunate they didn't have CSI back then because they would have been able to do blood tests on all that coat and realize that was an animal's blood, not uh, his son's blood. But he thought, and he was just sure now that the, the firstborn son of his favorite wife, Rachel, was also dead. Now there was going to be this chance in what Israel's life was going to, he was going to do everything in his power to make sure that Benjamin, the other son of his beloved wife, would be safe and sound. And at the near the end of his life, Jacob finds that Joseph is still alive and he's even become the prime minister of the, the nation of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And Jacob even moves from the promised land that God had given to him to Egypt and God had told him it was okay for him to go down there. And he reunites now with his favorite son, Joseph. And Pharaoh, after meeting with Jacob, Israel, open up the best of the land of Egypt for Joseph's family. And Jacob had met with Pharaoh and talked a lot about how his difficult life had been. And you know, when you read this about what all takes place in Jacob's life, it's a shame that too many people today adopted the uh, Esau's prejudiced view of Jacob that he was always out to swindle somebody. Now, granted, Jacob was definitely wrong in deceiving his father. But he was absolutely right in believing the promise that God's word that he was going to be the one to receive the covenant blessing. And Jacob didn't steal the birthright from Esau. He literally bought it. He bartered for it. And it was Laban who defrauded Jacob numerous times. Even Jacob said, you've cheated me at least 10 times in this 20 years that I've been here. It was not Jacob, but it was Laban who had done the robbing. And Jacob was not the perfect man. He made mistakes, but he was a man of faith who became Israel, the prince of God. And many times in scriptures, we see God himself referring to himself and about himself as the God of Jacob or the God of Israel. Nowhere in scripture do you find that God is rebuking Jacob for cheating anyone. So I think the story of Jacob speaks to us today in many ways about the way we can live our life. First of all, always remember the inescapable law of the harvest. You will, you will reap what you sow. All the dishonesty and the conniving and the manipulating that Jacob had been involved in his life all fell back upon him through his uncle and through his other sons. And as Paul writes for us in Galatians chapter 6, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For one sows to his own flesh, will to his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And he said, Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So first, Jacob's uh, life shows us the inescapable law of the harvest. We will reap what we sow. And second, we find that faith is living a life without scheming. Do you live your life trusting God 
even when things seem to be going wrong? Do you live your life trusting God or are you attempting to try to make your own plans and find your own solutions to the life's problems that are surrounding you? There's a fine line, my friends, between planning and scheming and literally just sitting back and trusting God, having faith in God that His Word will come true. And finally, this is a lesson I think we all need to come to as we live in the 21st century. Make sure that your plans line up with God's promises and God's purposes. We're not just to sit by idly and just wait for God to do everything for us. He wants us to be good stewards of our life. He wants us to plan and prepare not only for the future, but for today especially. Jesus said, take care of today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But make sure as you're making those plans that those plans are in tune with God's promises and purposes for your life. I believe then you will be able, no matter what's going on around you, the circumstances around you, you will be able to have faith and confidence that God is alive, not only on His throne, but guiding your life. I hope Jacob has been an encouragement to you as we look at him as the third great person of Genesis. And if this has helped you in any way, or if you have any other questions, please email me at mike at risen.church and I would love to hear from you and respond. If you have any comments or any uh, questions, please send them to me. And until we come to our next podcast on Joseph, he's no ordinary Joe. He's going to be an interesting person to look at. It may take us more than one podcast to do it, but I look forward to preparing and being back with you the next time. May God bless you and have a great day.